There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's time to start the podcast. It's time to hit the mics. It's time to start the podcast with Moon, P. Jug, and Hob. Oh my God, this is episode 26 of Moon, P. Jug, and Hobbs. Welcome, P. Jug. P. Jug here. Welcome, Hobbs. Hello, sir. How are you, Moon? This is growing like wildfire. I mean, have you seen the fires out in California? Well, Moon, P. Jug, and Hobbs is not that big or nasty, but we're getting there. I think a better analogy is we're more like a rash and we're spreading. <laughs> P. Jug, what have you been up to? Taking care of you. That's a full-time job. She's trying to come up with the babysitter so she can go out of town on a trip. Yeah, he needs a babysitter. Grant and I can come and babysit him for a little while. He needs his pants pulled down. I don't know that you want to do that. Oh, come on. It's fun. If I could go somewhere right now, this time of the year when the leaves are changing in Colorado, your whole world is lit up with aspens, red and gold and, you know, just vibrant and it lights your soul up. I love the fall colors. They're just starting here. Cross the street, some bright yellows already. The geese are flying. That's bad news. If you see a goose flying, it's 10 weeks to snow. That's my rule. Is that a thing? 10 weeks. Okay. So when you yep. see them flying, 10 weeks. I never heard that before. Although I will say a lot of people have problems with the Canadian geese. Canadian geese. Check this out. I was playing golf. I know we're kind of bouncing around all over the place here today, but that's what this show is. Moon, Pea, Jug, and Hobbs. Uh, I was playing golf, and I'm going to hit my tee shot. And as I'm lining up to hit the ball, a flock of, I guess that's what you call them, of geese were walking across the fairway. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'll hit one of those. Right. So I went ahead and hit my shot. And I drilled <laughs> this big-ass goose. And here it comes after me. Oh, right? no. <laughs> so I'm running from a goose. God, I wish you two was all over this one. America's Funniest Home Videos, you just drill the goose, then it starts chasing you. For sure they would put that on AFP. <laughs> and then I and then I said, whoop, on this hole I get a birdie. Bada-bing, bada-boom. <laughs> and there's the inevitable groan. Hobbs, uh, give us a description of your last two weeks because we got a guest waiting. Oh, we do have a guest waiting. My last two weeks? That's a lot of pressure. What did I do? Well, I watched an epic football game on Sunday. I was going to buy tickets for the Viking Seattle game. And cause there were still some good prices. I don't want to, I don't want everybody to realize this, but yeah, obviously the Packers game is really expensive, but like some of the other ones, like the Lions game. And uh, I can't remember what the other one was pretty affordable. If you haven't been to us bank stadium, because I haven't been yet, but anyway, I was going to buy tickets, but then I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because I, if I'm going to pay the money 
even if the tickets are relatively inexpensive, I want a shot at my team winning. And we always get clobbered by the Seahawks. Doesn't matter if it's here. Doesn't matter if it's Seattle. We always get our clocks cleaned. The yeah. first time we beat them in like 15 years yeah. <laughs> was on Sunday, which gave me hope because we won nothing in the preseason. We done run won nothing in the regular season so far. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be another really long lockdown. <laughs> It's going to be a long winter, but it gives me hope. So that was something I almost did. Saturday, I had three events. I was at the state fairgrounds for the uh, Women in Comedy Rock What You Got Festival, which was Women in Music uh, two-day event, and it was fantastic. Like, uh, Jamesia Bennett, like, a lot of great performers were there. We had headliner um, come in from New York City, Judy Gold, if you're familiar with her, comedian. Um, so that was great. I had my 30-year high school reunion, and I had a wedding. That's why I couldn't record with you on Saturday because I was like, yeah, no. Hey, mm -hmm. by the way, uh, Hobbs has been cheating on me on another podcast. Uh, <laughs> I started that podcast before you asked me to join this one. Oh, okay. Well, then we're even. Can I plug the guests that are coming up? Sure. Okay. Next week, it's confirmed. Don Eggert. If you don't know who Don Eggert is, and most people do not, he worked at small radio stations in the very far northwestern corner of Minnesota and the Dakotas. He's been on the air for 69 years. That's so awesome. Okay, this dude is like 90 plus, and he still does stuff on their on their station there. You know, we uh, did like his opening joke uh, when he was up on stage. He said, well, let me stop everybody and get your attention because I need to tell you how important I am. And the guy just was an excellent speaker, and I went up to him. I said, if you're 69 years and I'm only 45, hell, I'm a rookie. And would you like to be on the podcast? And then the week after that, we're having Pam Lundell from KTIS. She was also just put in a Hall of Fame. Uh, Randy Shaver can't record at 5 o'clock on Wednesdays when we generally record because he's, ha he's on television at that time. Oh. This is also really ridiculous, but it actually happened on Moon, P. Jug, and Hobbs, okay? Last week, I said to you, you got to tune in Channel 5 KSTP for a new show called Minnesota Live. I am a featured guest. They're doing a story about the big night at the Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Fame, and then they're going to ask me questions. And I, I was so excited. I tried to get everybody on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, hey, guess what? Here's where I'm going to be. You know, if you want to check me out, I'll be on TV again. How cool is that? And so I write the producer after I don't get an invite at, at all. You know, hey, uh, Mike, where's my invite for this Zoom chat we're going to do tomorrow morning? And he goes, dude, it's October 1st. Oh, nine o'clock. I'll have to set my DVR. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Because I don't want to miss this. I do know that if I have my Zoom camera aimed at the exact angle, you cannot see my gut. That's what we've all learned in the pandemic. We've all gotten better at blocking <laughs> scenes. Like, what's yeah. I, yeah, what can I show? What can I not show? Enough about what's to come and what's been. Let's talk about the now. And we welcome on episode 26 of Moon P. Jug and Hobbs, Winnie Schrader. Hey, Winnie. Hi, how are you? Pretty good. I am going to have to tell you who Winnie is and how she uh, and I met. She's worked with Tom Bernard for how many years? 
Uh, I started working for the podcast back in 2018. You guys were already doing podcasts. So how many have you done, if you had to guess? We're over 2,000 episodes. That I do know. Tom started his podcast in August of 2012 and still going strong. So, I, yeah, I, we're over 2,000. We just celebrated our 2,000th episode and had, like, Don Shelby on and some of, you know, Tom's close friends and people that we've had on throughout the years. And Tom just loves them and has developed relationships with, like, comedians like Paul Mercurio and people of that ilk. So You actually book the guests. Yes, I do all the booking and I also do all the social media on like Twitter and Facebook for the podcast. And he's got a lot of people listening. I mean, you know, if he mm-hmm. picks up a hundred new, you know, streams uh, you know, a week, think about it, since 2012, that's a lot of streams. So good for Tom. You know, mm-hmm. I always liked the guy. He and I met at a restaurant uh, in Bloomington mm-hmm. and it was really good. And we had a lot of laughs. The next thing you know, uh, he comes out here and we hang out at a golf course here. Oh, he yep. likes food. <laughs> he is a food guy. Tom wanted to get me on KQ to mm-hmm. congratulate me on my career when I stepped down. I had to wait a year because there, I had a no compete. Um, but I, So I did. I did what they asked me to do. And uh, then we went on the show and he had me on for like 45 minutes or whatever. And the next thing you know, he's like, hey, can you come back and do a podcast? And then uh, there's this guy named Doug Sprinthal, right? Mm-hmm. And and he's from Walzer. And I work for Walzer. Tom worked for Walzer. That's how we introduced each other. So then Doug, you know, uh, has me out. The second time I was supposed to be on the podcast, Tom didn't show. And I wonder what's going on. It was the day his brother passed. Uh, we didn't know that. And Tom took the time to call me, you know, mm-hmm. and we talked for, for quite a while. And I know that was really hard on him. And, you know, I tell you what, he's had some bumps in the road. A lot of people say, oh, my God, he's Tom Bernard. He can have whatever he wants. If mm-hmm. anybody's hit some speed bumps, that dude has totally hit some speed bumps. Yeah, he's had to deal with a lot, especially with his, you know, longstanding radio career. And people know it. You know, people know that he he has money and stuff like that. So they try and take advantage of him. He always yeah. says he's getting sued every day by somebody yeah. for something. So, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. I feel for the guy. Yeah, he's probably. And then he always uses the lawyers on his podcast advertising. (laughs) He probably does trade. So this is a great idea. Okay. That's what I want on this podcast. We still have zero advertising. Nobody cares. You know, I I did talk to uh, Doug over at Walzer and I said, hey, you know, nobody knows your dealerships better than me. Uh, How many cars, P. Jug, have I bought from Walzer? Nine in a row? Um, At least eight. I'm a mile away from like 16 dealerships. So anyway, I said, you know, I can make you some incredible rates right now. <laughs> <laughs> I said, if if you want to get on board, man, you need to get down on the ground floor of this monster because when yeah. it takes off, you know, we're going to get probably 15, 20 bucks a spot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, there was some, uh, some talk about, uh, you know, Dave Dahl, when he came on, uh, he went to work for the Cremation Society of Minnesota, and I'm thinking I could call them because I believe in cremation. I'll bet I could get a deal with them for this podcast. Maybe I could trade out our cremations. How many ads would it cost? <laughs> yeah. When P. Jug and I met, she was not going to do the cremation thing. She was doing the burial thing. 
and now you've changed your mind. Is that because I'm getting cremated or what? It is way cheaper. My my father passed away last July, and my sister and I didn't really know what he wanted for his last things, you know? So I'm like, well, he didn't specifically say not to, and it's cheaper, and we don't have the buddy to bury him and do all this stuff. So we just got my dad cremated, and I have his ashes in my living room. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's expensive. I mean, it, it's just to cremate somebody. It's close to $4,000, and that's yep. not including the urn. And if you want to put the urn in a, you know, mausoleum type thing or bury it, I mean, we were looking at, close to ten thousand dollars for all that so i said no for that for that money he can just sit in a jar in my living room yes i was gonna say that's what you get for not specifying your wishes yes you, you get do. what you get you get what we can afford i have very specific instructions for my funeral seven people in my life go to seven of my favorite places with you know small see-through pieces of glass which would contain some of my ashes do you know something i just had a hell of an idea when we were on ks95 and i don't know if you were there for this obs but check this out we used to do a thing called ask the expert uh and what we did was we got an expert in in some field and then we talked about what they did but we wouldn't get like your normal you know everyday nine to fives or whatever we were looking for something unusual and the first person we had on his name was kelly and he was a mortician, okay? And we had him on, and we had the wildest questions. Yep. And, and it was probably, it was by far the best Ask the Expert we ever did. And people were calling and writing for weeks, you know, because there were questions that I think everybody wants to know, mm -hmm. but they had nobody to ask. And especially when you can text so nobody sees you. I mean, you know, the texting at a radio station, it's nuts, Instead of ask the expert, I mean, we could do it on the podcast. It's a, it's an idea I could steal from myself, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Instead of from, from some other radio show where most of my bits come from, we should have the cremation society of Minnesota on this podcast for a whole hour. I mean, if you think it'd be a good interview, I mean, I think people are always fascinated by death and I know I've, I've drank with morticians before and those guys party and gals. <laughs> <laughs> They see the line of death every day. They're like, bring another round. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. I'm above ground. Let's get back to Winnie and KQ92 and, uh, yes. and working with Tom and all that. Because you book guests, and Hobbs booked a ton of them too, and I did too, any that you remember that you were just so pleased that it worked out as well as it did? The majority of the guests that we've had on have been great. There's only been like a few, I can't remember his name, but he was really mad because they were talking about, uh, before he came on, uh, they were talking about do uh, Tom and Catherine's dog, dog, Jude. And they were talking about how they brought him down to Florida and he was running. So they had to yell for him to come back and they were yelling his name. Well, it from a distance, it doesn't sound like Jude with a D. And in Florida. Yeah, so it sounded like they were yelling Jew, and they were talking about that. And then when the guest came on, he was upset and started, like, I'm not going to be a part of this show. 
blah, blah, blah. And then I got an email back from his PR person saying, you guys were insulting talking about Jewish people. I'm like, no, that's not what happened. I said, go listen to the recording. They were talking about their dog, Jude. And Jude. it was just, yeah, the guy came on for like a second and said, I'm not going to do this and hung up. Every other person we've had on has been great. I don't, I don't remember there ever being a, a guest that was just terrible. Otherwise, you're booking the wrong guests. Mm -hmm. I mean, I usually kind of, especially if it's somebody I don't know, I kind of vet them out, find out what they're about, what's going on, and, and uh, you know, do they have any negativity going around with their name attached to it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the only other controversial person that we've had on the podcast is Mike Lindell, because he's good friends with Tom and whatnot. I mean, they keep that all that stuff separate, but he, I would say that might be most controversial guests that we've had on and recurred and come on, you know, multiple times because of the whole political atmosphere that he has created for himself. So, but that was there. That just that one guest was pretty bad. And we had a caller call in one time that was just being weird. I, I think he was high on something. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we have our regulars. We have LA Nick is on Wednesdays. He's been gone in Italy for a month. You know, we have Doug come on every Thursday for car selling secrets in the second hour. We have uh, Dr. Ralph Basham from Basham Cosmetics in on every Tuesday. Mondays, we have Mike Bryant usually comes in from Brad John Bryant or sometimes Tevin. Tevin used to work at the House of Comedy. That's how he got to know Tom because he would bring the comedians in. Mm -hmm. And he kind of created his own career. And so he'll come in because they're still close friends and stuff like that. It's a good dynamic with that show, and we never really have any issues when it comes to guests and having problems. So I got a story about being misunderstood like Jude. Mm -hmm. We went to a MS event on my motorcycle, mm -hmm. and we were going to ride back from Forest Lake to the Twin Cities or South Twin Cities where we live. And uh, so we're at this sports bar on a Saturday after the event, and football is going on, and the place is so loud. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable. And we can't even talk across the table to one another. And uh, so I yelled at P Jug, you want to take the freeway? You mm -hmm. want you want to take the freeway? And she just kind of smiled and kind of gave me a funky look. <laughs> and then uh, when we got outside, I go, what was that look about? Why did you ask me if I wanted to have a three-way? <laughs> well... <laughs> you remember that no so what was our answer <laughs> no <laughs> we're still looking uh when we were booking guests i think the best guest i ever had i really like michelle obama i always thought that she was such a distinguished speaker um not for her politics but by the way she just handled herself that's mm -hmm. what i liked about her i think she's really really intelligent I had Elton John drop the F-bomb when I was in uh, in Houston. Oh, it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> uh, so I get Elton John on because he's promoting an, an AIDS charity event where he's going to play tennis with Andre Agassi and Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova. And they were going to do it at this big stadium. And I was going to be the host, like mm -hmm. the guy that sat on the side and was the kind of the play-by-play -play guy. Uh, Elton's on the show. 
and I'm in Texas. And I said, I know you're a baseball fan and you live in Atlanta. Do you ever go to Braves games? And he goes, I love to go to baseball games. He said, but you know, one of the downfalls of being a celebrity is it makes it really hard to go places that you really want to be because people are all over you asking for autographs and selfies and, you know, everybody's looking at you funny. And even if you have your own security team, it's a pain. And so uh, he goes, I don't get to go to as many games as I would like. And I said, have you ever been to an Astros game? And he said, the Astros have the ugliest uniforms in major league baseball. (laughs) And I said, and that comes from a guy who used to dress up like a duck uh-huh. And he says, I wasn't playing baseball. Oh, gosh. And then he hung up. <laughs> I had that on tape. And so mm-hmm. the next morning at five o'clock, you know, we go on early. Some days we would replay some stuff. I said, oh, if you missed the Elton John thing from yesterday, here you go. And I mm-hmm. played it back and I didn't bleep it. I was in the GM's office immediately. Oh. He, he was so mad at me. He said, my job at this radio station and this corporation is to protect our FCC license. And he said, you the first time got away with it because we didn't have a delay system. So that was on us. But playing it back was completely inappropriate. It's illegal. And I should fire you right now. And he goes, if you do anything remotely like that again, you're done. And do we understand ourselves? I'm thinking, I had a lot of those talks over the years. I know. I used to have to edit Tom's podcast because they would feed it out to some AM stations here in Minnesota. So I'd have to go back and edit because they everybody thinks, oh, it's a podcast form. I can say whatever I want. We had one comedian guest, and I love her, Miss Pat. Oh, uh, my God. I love her. Yeah. I just put a best of to the radio station. I couldn't even <laughs> keep up with the bleeps. It was every other word. The whole the whole thing would have just been one big long emergency sound the whole hour. <laughs> it, it was just I was like, forget it. Um, but what's nice about my job too is like a lot of the guests that Tom has on the KQ Morning Show will also have on the podcast, especially if it's a really good guest. But he doesn't have that long interview format on the morning show. It's usually like 10 minutes at most. So he likes to continue the conversation. So then I, what I'll do is I'll get them on the podcast where they can have up to 40 minutes to talk. So that kind of helps me vet them out because if they're really bad on the queue, I won't bring them over to the podcast. You know, like Shirley MacLaine, she, <laughs> the times that she's been on the morning show have not gone well. Well, one time they had a mistake. They booked her when they were doing the the live KQ morning show things from Vegas. Oh, the live broadcast. Yeah. 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 And so they had her on one of those times. That was a big mistake because it's just a bunch of drunk people in a room. So that's just going to irritate her. But one time she was coming on to the morning show to promote, I believe her new book at the time. And they were talking about something they were just kind of like laughing and joking around before she came on. Well, a lot of times the guests can hear a little bit of the show before it's their time to interview immediately Tom introduced her. She comes on. She's like, what is this Himalayan humor? I don't like this. Blah, blah, blah. She just like, and Tom's like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, she was like insulting them right there. And she's like, she reminds me of like our, our generation's experience of Joan Crawford. Like she's yes. like amazing actress, amazing at her craft, but like super diva. 
And yes. I could just see her being like, I can't believe my manager's making me do this. That kind of helped guide me with, with interviews. And a lot of times too, we'll get a guest on the podcast that nobody's heard of before. It's just some, some obscure author, but the interview becomes so great that Tom wants to put them on the cakey morning show. So sure. we'll go kind of, I'll kind of go back and forth with morning show. Uh, I believe Candace does the bookings or Tony Lee and I'll filter guests over there and they'll filter guests my way. And we kind of have a correlation there. And I think that the listeners really like that because the majority of KQ morning show listeners will move over, over to the podcast for the afternoon. So, and I've had a lot of people comment, oh, I really like that guest. I want to hear a longer interview. Can you get them on the podcast? I'm like, sure. And I'll do my best to get them on the podcast. So that's what I do. I've been getting most of the guests around here. The, although one of the better ones I didn't get, and that was uh, uh, Hobbs' best friend or next to best friend, uh, Ali, who is a... You've had Ali on, Ali Sultan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's awesome. I'm wondering who we should uh, get after the cremation society. <laughs> this is not this is not a sales meeting, man. We're not we're not brainstorming a client list right now. No, I think uh, you remember. I don't know if you remember Joey McIntyre, wasn't he with New Kids on the Block? He came in and did an interview with us, and he had a new record that was coming out. And mm -hmm. my boss had a rule: uh, you can do the interview about the record, but then you don't play the interview if the record's not a hit in many ways it's smart because uh -huh. if you've got a guy that's you know just promoting i just you know calling your show or whatever uh you have a relationship with them on the show then that's a different thing we used to have that with john Androsic from five for fighting he wasn't promoting anything he'd you know call us or do whatever just check in rob thomas used to do that i remember darius rucker used to do that and that was really kind of fun when you just get these calls. You know, Joey McIntyre did an interview with me and I didn't play it back. And he went out in the parking lot and waited to see oh. if I was going to play the interview. Oh. Okay. And I never did. And so when uh, he started calling the hotline and he's like, when are you going to play it? And I said, I'm not. He's like, what do you mean you're not going to play it? Why did I take my time? to come to your radio station and you're, you had no intention to play it. I said, I have every intention of playing it. It was a fun interview. It was nice to have you on. Uh, but my boss has a rule. He waits until the song breaks. And when the song takes off, we play the interview and it sounds that much better, right? Mm -hmm. For the radio station, especially because you've got the hot star with the hot song on right now, rather mm -hmm. than play it before, you know, you may never play it. And he goes, I'm going to come in there and whoop your ass. And oh I'm, my God. Going, I'm like saying, if I ever get my whooped by a new kid on the block, <laughs> how awful would that be to talk about on a podcast? I know. Yeah. That would be horrible. That would have been awesome. And that would have, that, that would have propelled you. You would have gotten into the hall of fame a lot sooner, dude. If you had gotten beat up by a, a boy band member. <laughs> of all of them. You would think Donnie Wahlberg would be the one that was doing that. So let's get back to how Winnie and I met. So then, uh, of course, she uh, knew of me from, uh, you know, Tom's podcast and Tom's show and Tom and Doug and all that. And then the next thing you know, I, you know, have the opportunity to go on Tom's network because he does his podcast Monday through Thursday and then best of stuff on Friday. And mm -hmm. then uh, a lot of times it's like, well, 
you know, why don't we have Moon do Friday? He's got nothing to do. And so I'm thinking, well, yeah, why not? Uh, so that's what I did. I started doing them on Fridays. And then Winnie and I met, and she helped build our website, which is moonpjugandhobs.com, two Gs, two Ds. Bs. Two Bs. <laughs> Two G's, two B's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dot com. Can I, do we ever get to discuss this name at some point? As long as we're just, you know, as long as we got Winnie on the horn here. It's a horrible name for a podcast, is it yeah. not? And you don't even know how to spell it. You don't even know. And then it's not. And then the email address is not spelled correctly. It does not match the website address. I'm just saying. I wasn't even supposed to be Hobbs. He, he wanted someone else to be Hobbs. And they had a job, a real job. And so now I'm Hobbs for some reason. Well, and I didn't know that you could be on the dang podcast during the, cause you got a real job now. Yeah. I just don't say what my real job is on any of them. Right. It's, not, it's not, it's not, it's not like, it's not like it's law enforcement or anything exciting or anything like that. So after when he built the website and did a wonderful job, we started talking about, you know, possible guests and we started visiting about her husband, Dave. This guy has a lot of irons in the fire, if you will. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's got, you know, darkness radio. He's on travel network. He's, he's on, you know, doing shows and events and traveling. He's on the road right now, isn't he? Yeah. He's in an undisclosed location filming his new TV series that will be airing hopefully next year on. I don't know if they're going to air it on travel channel or if it's going to be exclusively on discovery plus, but um, it's another paranormal show. It's just, we can't say anything about it really until it's all complete and think press releases get out. But um, he was part of, he did two seasons of the Holzer files and everyone's like, well, what's a Holzer file? Well, Holzer, Hans Holzer was kind of like the original ghost hunter. He's like the first person that, you know, recorded information, took notes. Um, you know, he used equipment with people. This, you know, this is like the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Like a lot of the places that he investigated, also Ed and Lorraine Warren was part of that as well. And everybody knows who they are because of the Conjuring movie. Um, you know, I'm actually good friends with uh, the one of the daughters that lived in the Conjuring house that was part of that story, Andrea Perrin. And wow, cool. uh, yeah, she is, she's such a wonderful lady. She's so mm-hmm. spiritual and she's great. And I actually, I know her father, the the dad that was in, in the, the house roger so um those are the kind of places that dave was investigating through the holzer files and if you guys want to watch it you can still see it find it on discovery plus um i love discovery plus i think it's so worth the i think it's like 4.99 a month you get especially true crime i'm like a true crime addict and it's just like forensic files all day long for me um but Yeah, so Dave right now, he's currently filming. He also has his radio show that's been on the air for 16 years. Uh, It was on terrestrial radio through KTALK here in the Twin Cities for a while, and then they moved over to the podcast platform. I think he started at KTALK back in 2008, I believe, and then they moved over to Podcast One. Now they're on Stitcher, so you can find it. Just go to darknessradio.com. It's easy. So you have this relationship with Tom. Mm-hmm. You're married to great guy, Dave, mm-hmm. darkness, Dave, but mm-hmm. you did not always have good relationships, healthy relationships uh, with men. 
and when one night I'm on Facebook really late and uh, Winnie had posted her story the, what caught my eye immediately was the way that the post was laid out and it started with your face morphing into Gabby Petito's face and everybody at that point in time was you know just so upset that you know Gabby had been found and they you know the her yeah. man had not been found and how could this have happened and you know the police were there and they could have stopped it and you know everybody had very strong feelings and everybody was praying for and there's so many people that need that same support that yeah. you may not even know because it's so deeply hidden just to stay safe for one thing and yeah. after reading your story I wanted to get you on to talk about domestic violence because it's prevalent in our society. It's unspoken of. Mm -hmm. It happens every day. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just terrible. So if you want to share your story now, uh, that'd be great because yeah. I think a lot of people will understand it. Oh, yeah. And I was also on Tom's podcast today talking about it as well, because and everybody, uh, you know, it's kind of weird how this story started because next month is domestic uh, violence awareness month. Um, but when I was reading what was happening to Gabby, I just, I felt very compelled to tell my story because I feel like everybody's story is so hidden. It's, you know, cause there's a lot of shame involved, you know, self-shaming, um, embarrassment, you know, it's one of those things that everybody sweeps under the rug and just forgets about it. And, you know, in just the last two days here in the twin cities area, a man was caught putting a woman's body in a dumpster in Bloomington and he, you know, killed her and took the, the kid and it was a domestic violence issue. Um, over in St. Paul, I believe it was some husband called 911 because he just shot his wife. So that's just two women right there that are dead within the last like two or three days because of domestic violence. And it's so prevalent, but nobody talks about it. So I felt compelled to give my story to say, look, you guys aren't alone. This happens when I looked at pictures of Gabby, I'm like, God, I know exactly what she's feeling at that moment in that picture, because that was me. I would smile, put on a, you know, a happy face and pretend that everything was okay. But behind closed doors, it wasn't. Um, you know, my relationship was in high school and I was 16 when I started dating him. I ended up leaving him when I was 18. So for two years, I went through a very abusive relationship with him. And it's, there's a progression to it. It's not like everyone's like, well, why doesn't he, why don't you just leave after he hits you the first time? It's like, it's not like we date for two weeks and then he hits me. I mean, this is, we're talking months yeah. and months and you invest yourself into a relationship and you develop feelings and you love this person and you, you know, you don't think that they would hurt you. And then all of a sudden it slowly starts turning the other way. Next thing you know, you realize you're in this horrible abusive relationship and you don't even know how you got there. I mean, it's like literally like you wake up, you're like, how did I get here? What happened? And then I found out after I broke it out with him that I had a couple friends in high school that were going through the same thing. And I had no idea. And a lot of it starts in the teenage years, the issues that start developing, especially in young boys or in, even girls, too, because girls can be just as abusive as boys. But that's where I think it starts. It stems from that. And it just kind of carries on through their adult life. I mean, I know he still lives here in the Twin Cities area. I haven't talked to him since I broke up with him and I, over 20 years ago. My my goal was I was like, I hope he doesn't. And I told him this, too. And when I broke up with him, I said, I hope you don't do this to another girl what you did to me. I, I don't know if that's happened or not, but 
I just, I feel like girl, especially young women, they feel very isolated and alone and they don't know where to go. And I just want to put my story out there to make sure that, hey, you're not alone. And there are places that can help you. You can reach out to whoever and they will get you to safety or a safe area where you don't feel so threatened all the time. The story of Gabby, her, her death isn't in vain and something good can come out of it and something can change because it just seems like it's this vicious cycle that is not getting fixed. And there's holes in the system where obviously things aren't getting resolved and women are still getting beat. They're still getting hurt and they still don't know where to go and get help. So, and we had officer Dave, who is a loyal listener to Tom's podcast. He called in and he said, there's a lot of, a lot of things that women don't know that they can do to get help. You know, even when you go to a doctor's office, they ask you, do you feel safe in your home? If you tell them no, they will immediately get somebody to, uh, like an advocate for you to get you help. People don't realize that at all. That's why they, they put those protocols in place. I just want people to have the education to know where to go, what to do, and who to see for help in domestic situations. Because it's, it's one of the, I had no clue. I wish that was one thing I regret. I wish I had gone to law enforcement at the time when I was a teenager. Um, I wish I had the information that I have now. I was young. I was scared. And my family had no idea either. That's how well I hit it. And when he would hit me or do things to me, he would hit me in places where you couldn't see bruises. So he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And because uh, he knew if, if he would have hit me and I was walking around with a shiner, somebody would have asked something. So I just want I just don't want da Gabby's death to be in vain and and to figure out what we can do as a society to help people in these situations, even children. I've seen children going through this stuff and it's horrible. And a lot of times children, if they see their parents doing that, they're going to grow up and they're going to become an abuser themselves. So we need to stop that cycle of abuse. I have a website in front of me. Here are some signs of possible abusive partners mm -hmm. showing extreme jealousy of your friends or time spent away from them. Mm-hmm. So kind of a control thing. Oh, yes. Preventing or discouraging you from spending time with your friends, family, or peers. Mm -hmm. Insulting, demeaning, or shaming you, especially in front of others. Yep. That hurts. And sometimes word hurts as bad as a punch. Preventing you from making your own decisions, including work or school. Mm -hmm. Controlling finances without discussion, including taking your money or refusing to provide you money for necessary expenses. I mean, they pressure you with drugs and alcohol. There's so many ways you can manipulate somebody mm -hmm. and they don't know how to draw the line and say, that's enough. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I need to talk to somebody. Now there's yeah. a couple of websites where you can get help. We need to hit those. The easiest one to, to access. And that's uh, www.thehotline.org. That's the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. So you can always go to that. Um, they even have a security alert. It says here, click the red X in the upper right corner, escape button twice, you know, if you need to leave immediately. Like if you're on the computer and your abuser walks in a room, you can, you know, they have protocols on their website to help you. Um, there's also a phone number as well that you can call. It's 1-800-799-SAFE. 
which is 1-800-799-7233. And I'm sure that they what they would do is get you in touch with a local person in your area to help you uh, seek shelter and a seek, seek a safe place. I honestly think the emotional scarring of verbal abuse is worse than taking a punch. Punches, you know, bruises heal, but words, you know, they cut deep and it's a form of mind control. And it's, it's like kind of like how a cult works. If you ever look at how cults work, um, you know, they, I, they'll isolate you from your family and friends. They'll tell you they're bad for you, you know, and that's exactly what my ex did. He took away, you know, he was very jealous of my time. He would question if I'd go from point A to point B, why it took me so long to call him. And then he would accuse me of having an affair with somebody. Like I, it's, I stopped off for five minutes, you know, had sex with somebody real quick and then went home. No, that I went home. I went to the bathroom. And I talked to my grandma. Then I called you. And those are the kind of issues. So you owe everything that you do that you think is right. He makes it feel like you're doing something wrong. And that's where you start flipping your personality. And I said on the podcast today, I'm like, it got to the point where I'd look in the mirror and I don't even know who I'm looking at anymore. That's not me in the mirror. Finally, one day I just, I had enough. I had enough of his stuff and I gave him a verbal lashing for three hours straight in the middle of a street till six o'clock in the morning. And didn't so, you smack him in the head with something? Yeah. One of the, one of the incidents we have, he, he was punching me and I was covering my face and he grabbed a knife and he wanted me to take my hands away from my face. Cause you know, that's kind of your natural way to protect yourself. And I just didn't want him to get hit in the, I didn't want to get hit in the face. And, um, he grabbed the knife and I just, I freaked out cause I was so scared. I reached over and I grabbed, the only thing I could grab was a snowmobiling helmet and I grabbed it and I just wallowed him up upside the head and I took out of the house and ran. And of course I didn't even call the police after that incident, which I should have, you know, but I was young. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know if I was going to get in trouble, you know, cause you're very naive at that age. You just, you're unaware, you're not educated. And you know, my parents didn't really talk to me about abuse. You know, they didn't really talk about that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe as, you know, I have a, quite a few teenagers in our house. We have four right now. Um, I'm very open and I honest and I talk about these things with them because I think it's important for them to know at this age than 30 years down the road and have them experience something like that in their life and not know what to do. Um, you know, cause we have two teenage girls in the house and I'm, you know, I want to be very protective of them, make sure that they didn't have to go through what I had to, had to go through. So, um, I think talking about it openly, especially with children, I mean, you don't have to get graphic or anything, but, um, you know, be open and honest with each other and let them know that it's not the right thing to do. Um, you know, luckily my, I mean, the kids in our house, they're well taken care of. We don't abuse them. And usually it's a cycle of abuse that happens. My ex, my ex's father was abusive to the kids and to his wife and he was an alcoholic. So I'm sure it was a learned behavior that he got and then he carried it on into his adulthood. And that's where the cycle needs to stop. Thanks for telling that story. It takes a lot of courage to open up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know people uh, very close to me that have been through this exact same thing. And yeah. I'm sure listening to what you just said was hard, right? Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you this, there is hope. There are safe places you can go. 
Uh, I hope that everybody, you know, wrote down the number. Uh, maybe we can put a link up on moonpjugandhobs.com. Yeah, I'll put a link in the description, and that way it's easy access for people. You know, and even if you if you know somebody you think may be in it, maybe, you know, give them that number and say, hey, if you need somebody to talk to, why don't you reach out to these people? And, you know, another thing that's kind of a stigma is the men. If If you're a man that abuses women or children or whatever, and you realize that you need to seek help, you know, there's help out there for you too. You know, I know how men are when it comes to going to the doctor or, or seeing a therapist because there's that stigma. And it's like, no, it's okay to go talk to somebody, especially if somebody, you know, is objective and, and you know, is not biased or anything. But, you know, young men that are, are starting this cycle of abuse, they need the help too. You know, because they are people and they're probably conditioned because they were probably abused themselves. And I'm not using that as an excuse no, but obviously, you know, if they're not going to do it to this, like if this person leaves, they're just going to move on to the next girl and do the same thing to the next girl. So they need help as well. Well, it almost becomes like an addiction. And it, and when you're mm -hmm. when you're going through treatment and things like that, hurt people hurt people. So not mm -hmm. to not that not that the way that they're expressing themselves is OK, but that might be all they've learned. That's how I process anger. Well, you know, everybody needs different strategies. Otherwise, yeah, the cycle will never break. Yeah, because like, you know, I broke it off with him. Well, if he's not going to seek help for his issue, the next girl that comes along is going to get just as abused as I did because yep. he's not fixing his issues. So, you know, the, and I think people need to be more open and honest with that for the men or even women who abuse, because I know mm -hmm. there's some abusive women out there. You know, if you're an abuser, you need to seek help. You don't have to tell everybody that you are. You know, that's that's something that you can keep private, but at least seek help or find somebody to say, hey, you know, I think I need help. I have issues. I have anger issues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get fixed before you start, you know, end up killing somebody or, you know, because there was times where I was like, I'm either going to end up in the hospital or I'm going to end up in a grave if I don't get out of this relationship because it's just progressively getting worse. And I didn't I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And I gather I mean, it was hard. It was hard to leave, but I was luckily, I, it's not like we were married. We didn't have children. Um, you know, so I didn't have that hanging over my head and I can't imagine some of these women that are in marriages with children that are going through this and they have nowhere to go or they feel like they have nowhere to go. Well, and he's I mean, probably he's, already controlling the money. Yeah. You know, he's monitoring the phone. Mm -hmm. The GPS mm -hmm. location is on. Cause now if you don't, if you turn that off on your phone, then they, mm, you're, you're cheating. Yeah. Yep. You know, that whole thing. So it just becomes so overwhelming. You can't even just ghost like you, not like you really could easily in the past, but mm -hmm. so entrenched. Okay. So now he can look and see, oh, we have the joint account and, oh, he can pull up my debit card and oh, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, how do you, how do you get out of that? And usually when it gets to that breaking point too, your family members oftentimes have already warned you about this person. And so there's a certain amount of fatigue sometimes. And I mean, that was an experience uh, a friend of mine recently had. And it was like, no, seriously, like this time. It's like, all right, well then, okay, cool. It gets really convoluted and really hard. You feel so isolated and you feel so alone that the only person, it's kind of like in a dream where if you're standing in like a, a round room and all you do is all you're seeing is their face, every direction you turn, it's always them standing there. So that's mm -hmm. how you feel. You're like, that is the only person I can deal with or, or, you know, handle in my life because I can't see anybody else. 
you know, your family kind of goes to the wayside and, and, um, I must get an Academy Award or something because my parents had no clue, no clue of what was going on. That's how well I hit it, you know? And then once I broke it up with, broke up with him and I talked to my parents about it, they were just sitting there with their mouth agape in shock. Well, why didn't you tell us? And I'm like, I wanted to, but I was terrified to, you know, and there's still times, you know, today I worry about going into a store and he's going to be there. You know, so it's like it, there was just something about him that makes me terrified. I hey, I'll go into a, an old abandoned house with Dave with ghosts and everything. Nothing scares <laughs> me, but that just the knowing that he may be in the grocery store at the same time I am. I'm like, nope, I don't want to go in there. That's that's my paranormal experience is not seeing my ex. You know, but um, yeah, I just I think people I, that's why I was just so kind of compelled to talk about it publicly. I mean, my my family and everything knows about it, but I'm like, I, I think I need to do this publicly so people see that they can share their stories as well. And I know some people don't want to share their stories because they have to protect certain people. And that's completely fine, completely fine. And if that's the case, then use my story to share that way, at least the words getting out and that way people know that people are starting to notice these things and we're, you know, enough is enough. And so if you have a story, you don't want to share yours, feel free to share my story. That's why I publicly put it on social media. It can be shared 20 times. It can be shared a thousand times. I don't care. I just want the word out that to let these women know that they are not alone and that there's help for them. Winnie, thank you so much for being open, honest. You're welcome. Next week, on-air star Don Eggert, been on the air for 69 years. When I said to him, what was the biggest moment in your broadcasting career? He said, the time I talked to Harry Truman. Oh, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. It's time to end the podcast. It's time to shut off the mics. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. You need to share this podcast with friends in cars or bikes. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. Why do you always listen? I guess we'll never know. A fat guy in a wheelchair. What the f*** does he know? It's time to end the podcast. It's time to get some likes. Go to your computer, type it in, and you're going to win. We are out of lyrics in Boopie Jug and Hobbs. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. That was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It though. could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Let's put this show out of its misery. Ha, 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 ha.